Detroit Rock City. <sighs> Happy New Year, everybody. It's No Driving Gloves. First of the year, same podcast, same hosts. Unfortunately. Yeah, pretty boring intro right there. Uh, we're doing this right after New Year, so uh, I'm not sure if any of you made it to Will's last-minute party there. Actually, we forgot to ask about it in the pre-show how that went. But uh... Well, John's still hungover, so we know it went well. Yeah, John hadn't even opened his eyes yet. <laughs> very true. He very can't true. even talk. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a, little, oh. a little bit of indigestion uh, there I had to take care of before we went. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, we had a good time at, at the party. There's a lot of people showed up. We set off an explosion every new year and uh, went and looked, and somebody did register it as a, a, a Bama boom. That's always our goal is for it to be registered as a Bama boom, and nobody in the crowd can do it, so... So we achieved that again. Uh, I know a buddy of mine about a mile and a half up the road heard it uh, loud and clear. It's just uh, the way we bring in the new year. We don't buy fireworks or anything like that. And right at 12 o'clock, we try to make the loudest explosion we can without causing any harm to anybody. As I've said before, I've dined and spent some time with some of the Lotus Formula One mechanics from the 60s, and they've discussed various uh, escapades like that of uh, creating booms. Maybe it's a car car guy thing, uh, us liking to mess mess with stuff. And I know, like I say, one of his stories involves catching Bernie Ecclestone's trailer on fire prior to him owning Formula One back when he owned one of the Formula One teams. But I had a pretty boring, I say I had a boring holiday. I think we covered 1,700, 1,800 miles and 30 hours in the SHO, me, the girlfriend, our social media director, and uh, her two sons going and visiting my family, much to their uh, enjoyment. They were very well behaved, Uh, I feel sorry to stick them into a car for 30 hours for them to go hang out with people and that they'd never met before. But next time it should be more exciting. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, at least they would have met your family by then. <laughs> well, at least, yeah, and at least now they know where they're going. And I had opportunity to, you know, visit my dad's new house. And Zara got to see my mom's log cabin all decorated for Christmas and things. She enjoyed that. Decent vacation away from the the stresses of the uh, day job. Did you uh, stay in Kentucky or did you travel, Derek? Or Oh, no. Why would we stay in Kentucky, John? Um, well, you do have a we, big, uh, big exhibit coming up. <laughs> well, yeah, a couple of them, but uh, you know, it's holiday. You gotta go see family and I believe we put on uh, about the same amount of miles as you did. I think we covered about somewhere between sixteen and eighteen hundred miles. Um, and uh, we were in Ohio and Michigan and back to Ohio and then back to Kentucky. So um, I don't even know the total hours logged because it was over multiple days, but uh, had a, had a good trip and uh, enjoyed it. Hmm. 
I didn't even leave Hoax Bluff, Alabama. You didn't even leave the shop, Will? No, no, no. I left the shop. But oh, we, okay. Yeah, we had the uh, we had the Hayes Christmas in Hoax Bluff. We had actually on our farm. So we had the Hayes Christmas, the Posey Christmas. It was all all right here. So we had one Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And they were all right here. So even Scotty D came down, spent Christmas with us. So, yep, didn't even leave Hoax Bluff, Alabama. Well, I did make it up to your kind of neighborhood, I guess. I've never really looked at it on the map. I was in Sneed for a day or two. So, yep, that's not far. So, same road, 278. Yeah, somewhere around there. I couldn't couldn't exactly tell you. I know it's close to you. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even come visit. What a jerk. Didn't even let me know. I mean, we could have met for lunch or at least. I know. It's like guys let me text me and like, hey, I'm driving by. <laughs> That's what I do every time. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, bother you the next time we're up in that uh, neck of the woods, literally. I even blow the horn. Beep, beep. And he sends pictures we don't need to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need to put that on Instagram. <laughs> I don't think we do. That It'll get some likes. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So where are we going tonight, John? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? I'm not really sure. I thought we might discuss maybe where we think... Uh, 2019 or what two what impact 2019 is going to have on the collector car hobby we've kind of strayed a little bit from talking about collector cars and that the last couple of episodes and just kind of get a focus on do you know where do we think the market might be going um are we overwhelmed with you know shows and auctions and you know, kind of as we did the pre-show and things like that, we started talking about Barrett-Jackson. And, you know, Barrett-Jackson, a couple of years ago when I interned there, you know, it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday-ish event. And now it's like Monday through Sunday or Sunday through Sunday. And, you know, Kissimmee uh, with Meekum, which I never understood why they did their Florida auctions, you know, starts... Uh, tomorrow, we're recording on the 2nd, it goes the 3rd through the 12th, you know, nine days of auction in Florida, and then everybody hops on a plane and flies to Arizona and does, you know, Barrett-Jackson, Russo-Steely, uh, I think RM's got one out there. I mean, it's just, I think January is a pretty busy, busy month to buy cars, and I think, I honestly, my opinion there is there might be too many, but I, I don't let me direct from the beginning. Let's one of you guys kind of take it off on a roll and we'll see where we go. But let's, you know, let's just kind of keep the theme to 2019 and the impact 2019 is going to have on the collector car hobby. I I think something that we're, we're kind of in the, that we'll really see kind of start changing in 2019 in the hot rod industry is some of your major awards are going to kind of start changing of the guard, so to speak. 
um, with a lot of a lot of the bad press about you know what's happened in Detroit about the Riddler Award and, and stuff like that. And you know, I I, I think what you're going to see is somebody step up and start offering something that's kind of similar to that. I mean, I, I don't really know where, um, could be, a you know, a show out on the West coast could be, you know, good guys might step up and, and kind of do a car vehicle of the year, so to speak. But I, you know, it's just with all of the, with all the bad stuff that's come out of Detroit in the last two to three years, you know, it's, it's, it's destined for somebody to do something. I know there has been talk about some some things at the Grand National Roadster Show using the Slonker Award to kind of raise the bar a little bit for that, maybe offer a little bit of money, first-time Sean type of thing. From what I've been hearing, it's first-time finished Sean. You can show it in bare metal. You can show, you know, build photos. You can create a buzz about the car. But the first time it's seen publicly finished has to be uh, at the Grand National Roadster Show to compete for that particular award. I know that's one that that I've been hearing a, hearing a lot of buzz about. So I, I really think that you know a lot of people is just tired of the crap that's coming out of Detroit. They're just going to move on from it. I've been hearing a lot of a lot of people complain about the people that are even running not necessarily the detroit autorama but the the riddler side of the detroit autorama if people aren't happy then they're going to go somewhere else and i mean let's face it there ain't that many guys out there as far as guys having the cars built having that caliber of a car built right now i mean you know, to to compete really for for a Riddler Award, you're two, three, four million dollars now. You know, I mean, how many people really spend that much money on a car? There's not that many guys out there that spend that much money for for an award. Really, is all it's for. I mean, you can you can build a completely custom one-off car for a whole lot less than that, and you know, and, and, and enjoy it for more than just one show. So I think, uh, I think that's something you're going to see. And, and people are building more of these high end cars and driving them. You know, that's one of the things that we've always focused on here at big Oak is, is yes, we want to build you a one-off car that nobody else in the country has got, but we want you to be able to drive that car. It's not just for sitting there and looking pretty. It's for going down the road and looking badass too. And pretty much every car that we've ever built, you can get in and you can drive, you know, even the dark. I mean, I've been down the drag strip in that car. I've been on the autocross in that car. I've cut donuts in that car. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a road worthy car. Yeah. It sits really low to the ground. You got to pay attention to, you know, where you're going and what you're doing. But you can get in that car. You can hook up your phone to the Bluetooth and and jam out to the radio. It's backup camera, all that crap. So you know you you can hop in that car and go anywhere. And so you're you're really starting to see a lot more people do you know the good guys Hall of Fame tours with these 
with these really high-end cars that that win big awards so that's 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 another thing that i see you know that's already kind of started uh, but i think you're going to see that grow in in the near future as well I, th- I think that's interesting will because you know i think you were kind of saying and you said it in the beginning that you know there's kind of this new generation that's that's going to be taken over and they don't like some of the things that are going on and that's what's going to shape some of that hot rod community you know the the shows and the awards and things like that and i think that's one of my hopes i guess for 2019 and i think the same thing somewhat is starting to happen in the uh, you know collector car hobby let's the or shouldn't say the collector car hobby but the the antique car hobby you know with the earlier cars even some of your you know up to your muscle car era uh vehicles things like that where in talking to people of of our generation in that hobby and that collecting realm there's a lot of us that are tired the cars that are winning at you know like the concours and some of the bigger shows that are just completely over restored beyond what they ever would have looked like and that's why they win the award and you know there's there's a number of the younger generation hoping to see some of these concours start changing their judging rules and uh, really get back to you know the cars should be restored as they would have appeared coming out of the factory. And I mean, that's one place where I have to give the NCRS national Corvette restorers society uh, a little bit, nod of the hat or tip of the hat, whatever you want to call it. They for quite some time, I believe it was like the late eighties, early nineties, somewhere around there. uh, Some of the members started looking at the over restored Corvettes and saying, what are we doing? I mean, this is, this is just kind of ridiculous. These cars have never looked like this coming out of the factory. I mean, it, it's well documented that especially the early Corvette C1, C2 coming out of St. Louis, they weren't perfect fit and finish. They were a little rough. You could see the fiberglass through the paint because the paint was so thin in areas, you know, and it was just, they kind of started saying, Hey, we got to stop over restoring cars and bring these Corvettes back to what they would have looked like coming out of the factory. So people can really understand what these cars were and appreciate, even though they weren't the best finish and the best fit and and all these things, but you can appreciate what they were. And, you know, at least for myself and, and some of the people I know, you know, we're, we're starting to talk about that with the antique cars as well. Like, you know, we don't, there's no reason take like my peerless yes it was a high-end automobile but there's no reason that car should have a base coat clear coat paint job that you can see you know your mirror reflection in and have a modern plush leather interior drop you know coat put in it and it just you know there's a lot of us that are, are starting to look that way in the the collector car community or the antique car community as well in the fact that hopefully something's going to change at some of these shows because to be honest and and it's one of the big problems some of the antique car clubs are having 
it's turning off some of the younger generation to collecting these cars. And we need to get it back to where we want to collect the cars and have them the way we feel, you know, we want to return them to what they looked like originally. Correct. And, you know, another example of that is the black and blue truck that we just finished, you know, that won the Chevy design award at SEMA, you know, when that truck was delivered home, it wasn't put on a trailer and taken home. We drove that truck home and granted it, it, it's really not that far from the shop. You know, it's a, it's a 25, 30 minute drive. Um, but still that truck, when it left here, uh, it wasn't on a trailer. I drove it to the owner's house and, you know, just there's an example of, a a very expensive vehicle that is on the road. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what these things are supposed to be for. They're not supposed to be put on a trailer and taken 20 minutes down the road. If you can't drive your car 20 minutes down the road, why do you even have it? Now, granted, I understand ISCA and stuff like that, chrome brake rotors, blah, 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 blah. I have no interest in that at all. If, if you can't hop in a vehicle and drive it, that's not what we do at Big Oak Garage. Can we do that? Yes, we can do that. Um, the Dart done really well on the ISCA tour. I mean, we didn't do the whole thing. We could have very easily have made the finals and, and went to Chicago and done all of that stuff. Um, but we were competing against cars that had never even been down the road, pushed on the trailer, pushed off the trailer. The brake pedals have never even been mashed. You know, uh, where the dart had actually, when we were showing it with ICA, had already been on the autocross and drag raced and, and, and on the road a good bit. So, um, did it bother me? No, it didn't bother me. You know, I thought it was cool that we took a car that had actually been driven and competed with cars that had never even been on the road. What you're both saying is very accurate. We're coming into, we're just beginning to come into the new generation of car collectors with money. I mean, us, us, th- the three of us, you know, I'm a few years older than both of you two, but, you know, the kids are going away. I mean, your kids are in their teens, Will. I know you don't have any, Derek, and technically I don't, but if I did, they would be going away and, even the ones that um, have come into my recent relationships, they're older and they'll be gone in a couple of years. So the money starts becoming available for us to start voting with our pocketbooks. And we've seen it all and we've heard it all. You know, we've, as car people, the our entire lives, I've been doing it for 47 years and you guys have been doing it for 35, 36 years you know, we've been doing it since birth. So we've listened to the arguments. We've seen, you know, the over restoration, you know, Bill Hara kind of started that in the late seventies with polishing the bottom of the running boards and that, and why that's a year or two before you two, it's part of where I'm at is, you know, that was a 10 year old thing for me. I didn't learn about it till a few years later, but that was the conversations I started to have. And then we grew to Oh, over restoration and then under, you know, we got to be more original with it. And then, you know, Bloomington Gold and NCRS and 
I lived through the heyday of those, you know, in Bloomington. You know, I just lived 30 miles from Bloomington, Illinois, when Bloomington Gold was in Bloomington. How those cars needed to be restored and maintained and handled. And then we started to get into, I guess, driver stuff. And then all of a sudden we came up with survivor cars. And we've now we've lived through where, okay, I found, well, I'm going to use an abstract here, and I found a 31 Model A. All, you know, it's all original. It's a survivor car. But unfortunately, the one I found, the interior was eaten eaten by snakes, let's say, and nothing left of it, or the mice ate it. But I found another 31 Model A where the whole body had fallen apart, but the interior is perfect, so I move it over, and I start restoring my survivor car, and people start cheating that, and we've seen that. We're getting to a point, like Derek said and kind of Will said, we want things we can drive and that are honest and truthful and not the... BS that has been fed to us over the years and the smoke and mirrors. We want honest-to-goodness cars, and I think that's what, you know, I watch the auctions and that a lot, and I used to do appraisals, and I might get back into it this year, But and it's, you know, it's a matter of watching, and I think that's where the money is with the cars, and then we're now to a point that I Hagerty had an article about it a week or two ago. Derek and I actually tossed it around as a show topic, but we kind of dismissed it because it said the oh that it's skewing to a younger generation. Our the car hobby is, but they were basing it on internet activity, and I'm sorry, you know, even my you know 67 year old father is a little bit limited on what he does internet wise and. A lot of his friends don't do anything internet. Uh, my stepfather, who you know had a '64 Mustang, didn't. You know he doesn't do a ton of his car hobby stuff on the the internet. He just got rid of the Mustang right before Christmas because he was driving down the road and saw something he'd rather have, and he moved into it. And it was just not. It was getting to the point of, well, he got a CTS coupe. And that was because I think a lot of it, he was tired of the carburetors and the maintenance. He just wanted, he's older, he's in his 70s now, and he just wanted something that was reliable and he could drive and have fun with. And I think that's where the market's shifting. And then you go with, uh, um, you know, the whole Radwood experience in uh, Bradley Bronwell, or Bronell, excuse me. You know, he's created this movement of Radwood, which is caters to our generation. Any car that was built 1980 to 1999 falls into this group, and that's what we want. And you know, I've looked at the Kissimmee uh, Mecham Auto Auction catalog, and, well, when we get into the Saturday-Sunday stuff, there's a lot of muscle cars. But the stuff through the week, it's a lot of that Radwood stuff, or it's a lot of that um, exciting cars. Rarer stuff, you know. There's a lot of the retro Thunderbirds, but there's Solstice GXPs, and you know, Der- uh, Derek used to have a Solstice, and you know, that's a cool little two seat car. And there's, you know, convert- yeah for a for a for a girl. <laughs> Shut up, Will. <laughs> well, I- hey, 
Hey, Sarah had a solstice. One of them little Hot Wheels solstice, the Barbie solstice. Is that what yours yeah. was, Derek? Uh, it was Barbie pink too, man. Heck yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So wait, who's who's Sarah? My daughter, like when she was like, I don't know, four or five years old, I, I got her. Oh, all right, I, all right. Actually, actually, Santa Claus got her one, you know? Oh, nice. You just ruined it. Great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, so, there, there's a thing though. <laughs> what Will just said, his daughter had one as a toy, so mm-hmm. that's going to be a car that she might want. If if you're in our age group and you've got an extra five or ten grand for a car, go look at something from your youth. They are not going to be cheaper than they are now. In twenty years, you're going to sit back and I can't tell you what car we're going to be talking about. I'm going to use my, you know, one of my favorites, a CRX. I should have bought a CRX five years ago when I could buy an all original 50,000 mile car for six grand. That car's 12 grand now. And in 20 years, it's probably, it's not going to be a million dollar car, but it's going to get up to what, 40 or $50,000 or it's, they're going to appreciate. Now's the time and it's time to buy. And you can sit back when you're 65 or 68, come over to my house and, you know, yell at the kids on the street on the rocking chair while we're having a cigar. And we can say, oh, yeah, I mean, I had a chance to buy, you know, an 89 Corvette for $5,600. And all of, you know, all of a sudden these cars are trading for a hundred grand. I had a chance. I, don't, I had a chance to buy a big block seventy two twenty years ago, freshly restored for like eighteen thousand dollars. It's a sixty eighty thousand dollar car today. Boy, that was a mistake. I didn't buy it because it wasn't the color I wanted. At this point, yeah, a, now I like blue cars. That day I didn't. So there, there's my mistake. So that's what I think. Two thousand nineteen. I agree with you guys. We're going to start seeing the big shift in the collectors, the hot cars, and what is wanted out of these cars. We touched on it a week or two with Derek, and he was talking about the Tupelo Museum and possibly maybe trying to pick up a couple of things when they finally close their doors and have their auction. And I think it's an opportune time for him because I think we're going to see a real recession in the brass era stuff. Agreed. At least that's my hopes. <laughs> and no, no personal interest there. That's your unbiased opinion. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Totally unbiased. I, I have no, you know, no uh, investment in this. But yeah, the brass era market's going to tank. Now, what's odd about that from Derek, and I don't know, Yeah, he's in the acquisition mode. Um, if he was in the uh, deacquisition and trying to sell you know, some of them that he has in his garage opinion might be a little bit different, but I think he wants to see a slight dip in the market on certain models, but peerless 61 Ford, 61 Ford Falcon market could, you know, skyrocket this year. That'd be great. Well, in the last half hour now, I've seen like a 63 New Yorker. We've seen a 62 dart. We've seen some, yeah, <laughs> those, uh, undermine cars, you know, if the 62 Chrysler Newport would take off, I happen to know where one is I would consider parting with. So hopefully those early 60s uh, forgotten cars. That, that, that's the next hot, hot, hot market. 
And I think I've said it before, um, maybe on the show. I really think one of the other, uh, you know, markets that'll that that I think personally will take off soon, and I, I think we're starting to see it. I don't know if it'll really take hold this year or not, but of course, with early cars, antique cars, you know, brass era, horseless carriage, classic era, you know, your big twenties era cars, thirties era cars any body style is acceptable. I mean, most people want any body style there is because they're just cool, fun cars to drive around, at least for those of us that like them. But in when you got into the really post-World War II era, it really became more about collecting the the coupes and the two-door convertibles and, you know, the more uh, sporty cars or the more, you know, non- necessarily uh, family not necessarily family automobiles the sedans and the you know the the boring cars everybody wanted to collect you know the two doors like i say the coupes the the convertibles that had the bigger engine and the higher horsepower and all the things we were trying to move towards in the post-war era and that lasted through the muscle car era i mean it's really it's been around for a long time and I, I think we're going to start seeing a big uptick. And, and like I said, I think I've already, we've already seen it slowly starting in people in our generation, this new generation coming in, wanting to get the four-door sedans and maybe even the station wagons, not only because they're a little easier to afford right now because they're still mar- low on the market value, but also because a lot of people in our generation and, and the generation just behind us are having families. And it's one way to get into the collector car hobby at a somewhat affordable rate and have room for the family. And I think that's going to be another one that's, that's, it's slowly taking off and, uh, you know, hopefully it will take off a little bit, but not too much to make it unaffordable to people who want to get into it. I think John's asleep. No, John's here. John. No, I think John's, John's thinking of a rebuttal. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, station wagons suck. Now, what I was thinking is, I don't know if we're to that point of the market, but I do see that point of the market getting there. That when my parents and Will's parents, and I assume all your parents, when they grew up, everybody fantasized about a two-door car and that big high horsepower. And our generation kind of came, and you're right, I think station wagons are appealing to our generation because, they, you know, the minivan came, and the minivan was the horrible car of our youth, and nobody wanted one except 33% of the hosts here. As I think, not maybe our generation, but I think if the car hobby continues, which I think all of us and all the listeners out there hope it does, I do think when the children in my household right now and probably Will's household get to that collector car stage, they're not going to be so turned off by the idea of a four-door or a small van or, you know, things like that because that's what they grew up and that's what they remember and that's what their memories are. So I'm not I'm not totally against what, Der, you know, Derek's saying, I you know, I've made it very clear on the show that I enjoy my, you know, new minivan. 
and actually kind of enjoy it more than my SHO. That might be because my dad was one of the original purchasers of the caravan and has had a minivan since 1984, no matter what he could have, with the exception of a couple of years in the 90s when he had a, you know, he tried a Lexus and went back to a minivan. He's always had a minivan, so I grew up with it, and it's a practical vehicle. And, you know, other than a few crazy guys down the street at the Honda plant who built a 600 horsepower Odyssey and autocrossed it, and they, you know, they're really, you know, they're practical vehicles. But I think I think Derek's almost jumping to the next generation of collector. There's my rebuttal to that. So, if if minivans become a hot ticket item, I'm going to find something else to do. If somebody came into your shop and brought a minivan in and said, "I'm going to pay you whatever it takes to make this in- thing into a sweet hot rod." You're going to turn down the job? No, he isn't. No, he isn't because he's offered to uh, help me with mine. True. True. I'll put it this way. They'd have to be willing to spend a lot of money. That's why mine's not there. And it would be free reign of whatever I wanted to do. It might look like a 32 Ford when it leaves. <laughs> no, I mean, I said that jokingly. I mean, if somebody came in and wanted us to do like, um, I don't know, I kind of dig the old Astro vans. You know, I think they're kind of neat looking. Um, you know, there's been some of them that have been built that are kind of neat. But I, I mean, like, if somebody brought me a Dodge Caravan and wanted me to do something with it, it, it would it would be difficult to do. Um, they would they would just have to be willing to say, "Hey, you know, it's it's yours. Build it like you know you you wanted to do it." And and then I'd have to think about it long and hard. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It, it just. Plenty, plenty of room for a mid-engine in one of those things. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd have to definitely be some sort of a mid-engine supercar-inspired minivan, you know? Uh, that's exactly what I was just thinking. You know, get it, you know, chop the top a little bit. and. Now, now let's, let's go back a few years, Will. I'm going to throw one at you. The uh, Chevrolet Astro, you kind of commented on it when everybody took the Cadillac taillights and stuck them in their mini trucks and that. But back in that mini oh, yeah. trucking age day in That's the right. late, late 80s, early 90s, now the, the Aerostar and the Caravan weren't the car to have, but there were a heck of a lot of Astros that were, and Safaris that were uh, hot-rodded and done well. I mean, tubbed and big, big motors and slammed. Yeah, I mean, there was a ton of Astro vans done and and you know there was actually a, a local guy here. Um, his dad owns uh, owns you know a, a pretty pretty big Harley motorcycle customizing outfit, and he'd done that for a while too, and had a really cool you know bagged and body dropped Astro van. And you know you know there's been some there's definitely been some neat ones built, you know. I'm just saying, it, you can't. Uh, to me, you just can't totally 
you know, write off everything. You know, I think my van would be really cool if I had the money to get a uh, uh, Focus uh, ST and put the drivetrain in it because my van's basically a Focus. So I could put a drivetrain in it, the all-wheel drive conversion, and end up with a you know pretty neat little you know 280, 300 horsepower vehicle before any ECU and aftermarket turbos and things. But you know it's it's money and unfortunately mine's not growing on trees too <laughs> lately so yeah we have a money tree in the house and it still has not produced any money i'm really disappointed in it i guess we've all voted that we might see well derek and i have voted we might see a big change in the collector car community will's kind of thinking and there could be some changes and and derek came on with that that some of the shows might change and you know, maybe some of the criteria or some of the back thinking of that will alter. But when it comes to shows, are there too many? I mean, every every concours I go to is the same thing. The same cars win, kind of the same pool of judges. And until I think we get this total transition, and I'm going to throw it back to to Radwood or the Concours de Le Mans, and that where some people are finally having fun with what they're showing. And it's more about the camaraderie between the people than necessarily the car, especially when it comes to the Concorde de Le Mans. You're just, you know, you're taking a $500 car and, you know, trying to show it at the same level that some guy's showing his Alfa Romeo 8C at Pebble Beach. I think it's gonna it's gonna be a few more years before we see the big changes, but I think I'll go in with the shows that I think we're we're starting to see it chip away. Maybe you know Will's much more in tune with the hot rod industry, and maybe they're gonna start breaking out of the mold because it, we had an episode many episodes ago. You know, is it good guys now that's you know just adjusted their years? to kind of catch up to the times or they did they did and you know i hate to keep beating a dead horse here but i, I want to read something that this is the I, i'm pretty sure the michigan hot rod association put this out these are still have the old rules of the riddler and here's the new paragraph they put on their website this is straight off hot rod hotrodmagazine.com and I want y'all to read this, and I want your thoughts on on what what how you interpret this, okay? It says, No photos or comments of the contending vehicles are to be posted on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, MySpace, chat crap. That's really what it says, chat crap or any other social media website or internet comment board or blog or sent via text message or email. Friends, family, and other third parties with access to the vehicle must be advised of the above statement and the Riddler Award qualification. Photos, artist renderings, or videos showing the vehicle in any completed state are in finished color are not allowed and will will result in disqualification. 
for a look at the complete rule listing for the Riddler Award checkout, autorama.com. In, in my mind, I look at it and I'm like, why in the world would you not want to use social media to create a buzz about these cars that are going to this show to contend for this award? Okay, I, I agree not not letting them see a finished product, but man, show, show the work that you've been doing, show a panel that you made, show a part you machine, you know, get people excited about what you're about to show them in real life and finished. Anyway, that's my two cents. Go ahead. I'd have to go back and reread what you just read. Uh, I want to say a little bit closer, but I interpreted it as you couldn't show a photo of the fin the v the finished vehicle or the vehicle in color. Uh, I mean, in paint, not a color photograph. But I took it as that you might be able to display some stuff prior to the you know the completion of the car. Yeah, it says no photos or comments of the contending vehicles are to be posted on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, blah, 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 or even sent via text message or email. And artist renderings are in there as well. So let's just say this, John. I hire you to do the renderings for my next Riddler project, and you're in California. Okay, you have to fold them up and mail them to me. You can't email them to me. You can't send a picture of them to me. You either A, have to send me uh, it saved on some sort of a file and mail it to me. It has to be a hard copy of some sort. I mean, what kind of crazy crap is that? I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, think of it as that I've contracted you to build my car. I think on the surface... We have to do everything the way we used to do it at White Post, and you have to send me in the you know snail mail actual developed photographs. Yeah. Or and we we all know that doesn't happen. But I, you know, getting beyond the lawyer semantics here, I understand what you're saying is that if you're building me one of you know take your your, your pickup, you're building that truck, and you leak a couple of photos. I came across some of the photos from your open house a year and a half ago, and I've got some pictures of that pickup in the build stages. And I go, oh, maybe I'll put those up and, you know, hint at it. You know, this is in the last week or two, so not prior to the car truck ever being shown. Just because I go, you know, that's going to generate a little, maybe a little bit of buzz on our social media about you, and maybe somebody's going to all of a sudden take an interest in the show because they want to hear you because this build and the construction there is pretty badass. I just never, I think I got distracted or maybe my microwave beeped to my TV dinner was done and I have the attention span of a gnat. But it's, uh, I understand totally what you're saying. And if you're trying to promote your show and get people there is okay Here's the, you know, the blackout dates. You can't put any photos up. You can't be, you know, the car can't be 
beyond, you know, a certain stage of completion. And of course, you're going to have to identify that because, you know, you, you'll lie to the boss and go, I'm about 90% done. And, you know, you're really 75% done. And he's going to think you're only 40% done. And, uh, you know, and then when you're dealing with your street rod association, it's going to be the same thing. No, 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 that's 90% done. And you go, well, no, I'm only 40% done. And Correct. You know, you, you got a picture of Will driving the car down the street in color, and it's only 40% done. Well, here, I want to I want to jump in because, uh, you know, I went in and uh, pulled up the guidelines and rules. And number one, at least in this part that I'm reading, on MH Michigan Hot Rod Association online.org, MHRA online.org, uh, appears to be the old, you know, the, the original set of rules and then uh, uh, some what they call a few hard and fast rules with no exceptions. The vehicle, one, the vehicle must make its first public showing at the Detroit Autorama, showing the vehicle at any indoor or outdoor show, show or any part of the entry. Uh, examples given frame engine or body will make it ineligible for contention realizing that car owners and builders may need some form of exposure to develop interest or to gain sponsorship and give credit to suppliers and or sponsors magazine build-up coverage is allowed no articles or stories with photos of the vehicle in finished form will be allowed until after the award has been presented so they are allowing build-up coverage uh, in you know magazine articles, things like that. So I think applying that to the uh, social media rules, you would have to allow build-up coverage. Yeah, you would think. It, sa- it sounds like <laughs> they need to get somebody to write some real rules to me. I mean, well, that's that's another interesting to point out thing to point out, though, Will, because that's another thing that needs to change in some of the collector car hobby shows rules, judging, especially in your hot rod world or even just in, in anything. But we have to stay with the modern times and what's going on. Exactly. You know, I mean, why can't you put a picture of something you're doing on social media? I mean, because this is a family-friendly show. <laughs> Woo! I mean, I guess you you can do whatever you want to do on your social media, but if 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 that award that's the rules, then that's the rules. And there's there, why create gray area rules? I don't. I've never understood that. If it's going to be a rule, put it in black and white. Yes, you can show your car unfinished. No, you can't show your car, any part of your car unfinished. You know, it would be that simple. I'm going to say it's the difference, and it's one reason I stopped watching NASCAR racing, because the rules get interpreted, or maybe they don't anymore. I haven't watched NASCAR racing in years. The rules would get interpreted depending on who the person was in that. Where Formula One, it's with the exception of the top, say, two teams. They're steadfast. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's the way the rule is written, and there's no exceptions. But I think you're dealing with, one, Internet and social media that literally changes on a daily, if not hourly, basis. 
a lot of the other podcasts I listen to are on social media marketing and working social media and building your brands on social media. And they're always, you know, this is the algorithm we're using this week. And while we're trying this with this page, or if this is a personal page, this will happen. And it's always changing. And it changes so fast, it's hard to keep up with it when you're trying to keep up with it. And you kind of understand the, you know, landscape. The rules we're talking about here are not being created by... 40-year-olds. They're not being created by 20-year-olds. They're being created by 50, 55-year-old, maybe 60-year-old people, I'm assuming. At 47, so I'm in that group, I don't have a clue what's going on. Uh, Like I've alluded to them three or four times in this episode. I don't have a clue how to set up a Discord server. I don't know how to, uh, is it Twit or something? Not Twitter, Twit or Twitch, Twitch, that's what I'm thinking of. Don't have a clue about these social media sites. I never got into Snapchat. And, you know, there's, it changes so fast and there's so many of them. I think it's virtually impossible to write the rules properly because of the way things change and what is a finished photo, what isn't a finished photo. If I put a filter on it, if I did this, if... The the rules are being written by the wrong generation of people. You're exactly right. You are 100% right. And if, say, you emailed or called Michigan Hot Rod Association and asked them these questions, they're going to give you an answer. But what if they give a different answer to somebody else? You may not talk to the same guy. And so you show up to Detroit with your car and it's been plastered all over the internet, not finished in everything in bare metal. And you get up there and, you know, something happens like what happened. Um, the last Detroit Autorama where they kicked three cars out, but then they let all three cars back in. You know, what if they kicked you out and didn't let you back in? You know, when you done called the guy and he said, oh, yeah, man, you can put those pictures up there. It's okay." And you get there on the showroom floor and somebody else has a different idea of what the rule means and they get you kicked out. I mean, it's a mess. It is a mess. I can totally understand where you're coming from on that, especially on the business owner stand, you know, standpoint where you're wanting sponsors, publicity, exposure. And, you know, then all of a sudden you do something you were told was okay, and then somebody says, I'm sorry, and then your client comes and kicks your ass because (laughs) why did I get disqualified? I I, I guess the best thing to do, if you're building a car for Detroit, for the Autorama, for the Riddler, don't even think about posting any picture of it anywhere, you know? And just that's the only way you can really do it and be 100% safe is, yeah, I mean, obviously you're going to email artist renderings back and forth because uh, Tavis Highlanders, who we use, and he's in freaking Washington State, I'm pretty sure. You know, I'm not going to snail mail renderings back and forth with him. I mean, we're going to email him, and that's how it's going to be. You know, I mean, how are they going to catch you doing that anyway? They're going to come steal your freaking hard drive 
on your computer. Well, I, I see that as, uh, you know, the pictures leak and you go, well, I emailed them. My email must have got hacked. I can see what the thinking behind the rule, but I know what you're talking about there. Um, you know, my suggestion, it doesn't seem to say that you can't put them in a Dropbox and email the Dropbox link and whatever. But they, you know, yeah. that's I, I, that, like I say, he's doing legalese. I'm not an attorney. Don't if you're building a car for the Riddler, don't use my advice here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but okay. here again, but here again, well, wait, just use my it, use my advice here. I'm going to change. It's hard to interrupt you. Use my advice because we could use the publicity. The guy on no driving gloves said I could do this. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think his name was Will. That's right. <laughs> Will Posey. Big Oak Garage. No, John, it goes to, you know, again, to me, it goes back to get with the times and understand that the world is smaller than it's ever been with the Internet. And Will may have Will may find an artist that does amazing renderings and they may be in Budapest for all we know. Correct. And I'm sorry, but he's going to have to email Dropbox. It was one of those things. And yes, in the modern world we live in, you may get your computer hacked. You may get a picture leaked out because of it. But that's just, it has to be acceptable because it's modern times. Now, I mean, you don't want somebody using the excuse that, you know, they leak their own picture and, oh, my email must have got hacked. Well, but that's hard to prove. I mean, no emails of artist renderings or whatever the rules were. I mean, that's a little beyond, you know, what we have going on in in modern times right now with interconnected world and and all that we do in this world. So, you know, just it does. It just goes back to make sure everybody's on the same page. Get with the times. Make sure you're following what people are doing. I mean, the other thing is talk to the Michigan Hot Rod Association has their rules and, you know, what the Riddler originally was. But why not also talk to all the shop owners that are building the cars and say, you know, hey, how are you guys? What do you guys need in doing what we're doing? Yeah, what 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 kind of publicity do you need to do to make this happen? How can we work with you to make this Riddler experience the best it can be for all of us, for the shops building the cars, getting the sponsors, but also for the Riddler and the you know MHR Michigan Hot Rod Association and everything they're trying to do. And that again is just getting with the times and talking to everybody and saying, okay, in this modern world, how does this need to run? You know, they, they did uh, have a uh, kind of a town hall meeting, so to speak, at uh, Shades of the Past a couple of years ago about it. Unfortunately, that was the one of the very seldom years that I did not go to Shades of the Past. From what I could gather, there was, um, with the new rules, so to speak, that have been put into place, not really a whole lot changed. So, you know, I don't know, but that's a great idea. If, 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 you know, you could, if they would actually get with the guys that have the shops that are building these type of cars and even the guys that are paying to have these type of cars built, ultimately those are the guys that really want it or the guys that are paying for it. 
yes, it helps the shops out greatly. Um, but if it wasn't for that guy writing a check, there wouldn't be nobody doing it anyway. I mean, your occasional at-home guy will will build a car to go compete for the Riddler. But, you know, get get those guys together that are interested in the award and the the history of the award and and sit down with them, you know, and um if not, they're just gonna get left left in the dust. So I agree with you, Derek. One hundred percent. I probably should just go ahead and try to kill this topic, but that's not like me. Uh, wrap it up, wrap it up. Don't go there. Don't go there. It's kind of like dirty, it's kind of like dirty Santa. Don't go to the table. Let's keep this going. <laughs> you could look at the the builders doing the cars, and you know, like you said, these are multi year projects. And at some point, the builder knows they're going to build for the Riddler. And I know we've kind of talked on this on an episode before, but okay, John's Hot Rods is going to build a car for the Riddler. We're going to be there in two thousand twenty one. We you have to register for that. You know, this is the intention. This is who my client is. And at that point, they I'm on their map. And I can always pull out, but okay, I'm saying 2021. And every week I'm required to submit photos to the Michigan Street Ride Association. Or anything that I want to, I'm, you know, if I want to, these are, this is the window I submit to them. Then they choose the photos that I can release. And then the following week they say, you can use photos three, seven, and nine. And then I know what I can put on my social media and it's okayed by them. And, you know, I think it's working together trying to stay in their version of the rules. Yes, it's more work on their part, but it's possibly the only fair way. And then when Will decides in eight weeks that Derek's going to, you know, Derek wants to build a car for the 2021 Riddler, he enters his name and says, hey, I'm building a car, and he starts submitting. So, and then he gets four photos or whatever approved to go out. And then everybody's on the same page. Everybody gets the same publicity. Everybody's getting something that's approved by that group. And then, of course, I, and, but the complication is, Will happens to have competed four other years. And then all of a sudden, in, you know, six months, Chip Foose decides he wants to put in, and Chip's won multiple times. So does, you know, does he get some preferential treatment? Uh, You know, so I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to describe it. I think we've had an interesting conversation tonight. I hope we get some Facebook feedback on this. We'll find that, well... I will find that since I'm the only one who didn't look up the rule and read it like Derek and Will. We'll put that up on Facebook so that everybody can read it and have links to it. And then they can you know, listen to our episode and let the Michigan Street Ride Association know what the heck's going on. And uh, maybe they'll listen to our episode and maybe we can attend the Riddler. Or, no, I'm just kidding there. But maybe we can get some good conversation out of this and you throw your ideas out and not only just to the judging at the Riddler or the judging at Good Guys or NCRS or Bloomington Gold or Carlisle or you name whatever, Amelia Island, Pebble Beach. Let us know what you think your opinion of 2019, what 2019 is going to do to the collector car hobby. Uh, 
We don't know. We won't know until 2020. We probably won't know until 2025 of what effect 2019 had on it. Let's see what happens, and maybe we'll have a clearer vision, no pun intended, when we get to 2020. Uh, uh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's playing on the meme that's going around Facebook right now, but um do you guys have anything else? We're a little bit over that hour that we like to keep it at. But Yeah, my bad. <laughs> I'll go I'll go two hours if we keep the conversation happening. I don't care. <laughs> Our, our listeners will get bored, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. They stopped listening 20 minutes ago, so. Say so the podcast guys say that it doesn't matter. As long as you keep an interesting conversation and a dialogue, it doesn't matter if you've got a two-hour podcast or a 10-minute podcast, as long as you keep the listeners engaged. Last week, I don't know if we did a great job of it. I've heard some good feedback, which surprised me. I wasn't... <laughs> But this week, I think we've got had a good show. Yeah, I think it was a good but, show. We'll, we'll leave it at that. I think we're going to have a special guest next week. Or next week, be watching our social media. We'll make the official announcement. I don't like to cash the check or spend the money until the check's cashed. But I think we're going to have a pretty good uh, guest next week, and we're lining up a few more. Ooh, ooh is it Kermit the Frog? Is it Kermit the Frog? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Did I guess right? Did I guess right? Uh, this guy ain't green. For some reason, I thought his car was for a minute, but now again, that's not. So, no, that's that crappy Dodge Dart that uh, Big Oak Garage built. Yeah, crappy. If you want, Will, do you want to plug what's happening in your life in like two weeks for our listeners? Because this episode will, of course, come out on the whatever, the 6th or so, and it's going to be really close to the time you get on a plane. Um, Sure. Um, I will be going to Scottsdale, Arizona, for the Barrett-Jackson auction, and the dart will be auctioned off the Saturday night of Barrett-Jackson. So I forgot the actual date on that. Um, but, um, yeah, so the green dart will be will be going through it, no reserve. Um so any of our listeners out there want a, a big oak garage built vehicle and you don't want to wait, now's your time. Bid early and bid often. That's right. The Dart is lot 1468 on the Barrett-Jackson website, 1965 Dodge Dart GT Custom Coupe. It'll go Saturday, January 19th. And um, I think Will said it's going to be a later evening just after prime time. Um, auction, so you probably might be able to catch it towards the end of one of the uh, Speed Channel, or I'm going to say Speed Channel because I can't remember who carries Barrett-Jackson, and Speed Channel no longer exists. But, you know, it's one of the best builds out of uh, Big Goat Garage, and kind of put them on the map, and I believe did uh, contend for the Riddler a few years ago when it was debuted. So, you know, Wills has some personal experience with what we've been talking about here. So we'll leave it at that. And I'm going to say I'm out of here. Adios. See you in 2020. Guess Derek's taking the next 51 weeks off. <laughs> Have a good night.